This is Army Chaplaincy, a day in the life of a chaplain. Hello and welcome to the Cove's Body, Mind and Soul series. In this episode, we'll be looking at Army Chaplaincy and what a day in the life of an Army Chaplain is like. Our guest speaker today is Chaplain Kerry Frizzell. Prior to joining the Army, Chaplain Frizzell had 20 years' experience in various church and community ministry-related roles, including working with domestic violence, homelessness and substance dependency. In addition, she has been employed with the Mission Australia and the Queensland Police. Chaplain Frizzell joined the Army in 2018 where she worked with the 1st Aviation Regiment, the Defence Force School of Signals, and is currently posted as a co-ed chaplain at the Royal Military College. On 2020, she deployed on Operation Bushfire Assist. Today, we are also joined by the Forces Command Chaplain, Chaplain Stephen Brooks, who will assist us with the interview. A chaplain, welcome, and thanks for supporting the Cove. First of all, what does an Army Chaplain do? Well, it's great to be here. So an Army Chaplain covers, I'm going to talk about the main four things. There's the spiritual and religious aspect of chaplaincy, and we'll probably get into that a little bit further as we chat. There's the pastoral care of members and their families. Uh, We also do character training, and then importantly too, we bring advice to command. And who do chaplains support? So this is a really important question, I think. Chaplains support everybody, all people, um, all ranks. And the other important piece of this is we support people regardless of their beliefs, their background, their cultures. If they're wearing green, we support them. Um, It's one of the the powers of chaplaincy, I think, is that we can uh, support people from a private through to the commanding officer, to whoever it is that we're talking to, but the other part is we support their families as well. Fantastic. And in line with that, uh, how do chaplains support religious and spiritual belief? So there are the obvious things as far as we, there are services that we are part of. Obviously, there's Anzac Day Services, Remembrance Day Services, um, weddings, baptisms, funerals, you know, the obvious stuff when it comes to that religious thing. But the not so obvious is when we sit with someone and in the spirituality side and whether that is prayer, a contemplation, a reflection, helping someone finding meaning and purpose in their life, it goes a bit deeper than just what some people may think. They may, they, they may see the cross on our collar and go, oh, well, I'm not religious, but no, we actually get, it's a bit it's beyond that um, where we help people with their um, their reflection on their life and their service and how they can get the best out of that. We uh, want to sort of help army, help our people become better humans. Uh, we also have access to external religious personnel for those who have other faiths than our own. We can access people to help, assist people with their particular religious and faith style, if there's something that they need, we can help them with that. So that covers that religious and spiritual aspect. I'll just throw a sideball in there, ma'am. Say, for instance, you're a, a, a Roman Catholic padre at a unit in Brisbane, and you have a, mm-hmm. you're in the field and a Muslim comes up to you and asks, oh, look, I, I want to pray, I want to have a service. How would you support them then? So we would have access, in our training, we learn about other spiritualities and other faiths, and we could, even in the preparation, to be honest, of the going field, we would have known that there would be people in our unit that have various faiths and that for those who are Muslim, 
there's a very important spirituality to them and there's certain days they need to do certain things and certain times. And so we'd actually, a good chaplain would prepare for that in going field and having that already available to them. Um, what you also have, depending obviously if you have phone reception, but you could ring, I've got, I've been on the phone many times to a couple of Muslim chaplains in the Navy for some SME advice on it, assisting a Muslim member. Fantastic. You said good chaplains. I think you're all good chaplains, ma'am. I, I haven't met a bad one yet. What is a chaplain's role in providing pastoral care? So pastoral care is a really, really broad subject, but basically it covers times of crises, and that can be big or small. Ideally, a chaplain would like to be involved when the pastoral care crisis is a small before it gets big, um, whether that's in families, whether that's in a mental health situation with people where we walk alongside. Oh, there are many times I've been asked by OCs and COs to just check in on someone when something's happening to them. It's that kind of walking alongside, being, being present, um, being a listening ear, and sometimes just providing a little bit of direction to help people navigate some of the emotions and, co- and challenges that happen in conflict or in relationship breakdown and, uh, you know, the plethora of the human experience. We're there to walk alongside and assist them. We also have access to um, many external organisations as well as the usual defence support organisations where we can, if it's a high-level crisis, we can triage and refer people to others. It's, we're not the, we're not the saviors. We can assist though in helping people navigate their stuff. And on the other side of the fence, what is the chaplain's relationship with the commander? Relationship with command is a really, really important relationship because as we all know, at the end of the day, command intent is primary in any unit, in any uh, formation. But a chaplain is there to support that intent. A chaplain is there to support the commander as a, as a human being as well, importantly. But also we can provide advice in the ethical space when there's decisions to be, be made within that framework. We bring a different perspective, I think, sometimes um, when commander making decisions. They're not, I'm not saying that commanders can get tunnel vision, but they have their, their intent and their purpose. And sometimes we can come in and just give a little bit of a perspective. Now, whether or not that's take, they're completely taken on board, I totally understand that. But it's we can bring advice uh, with a perspective that's unique in how we work with people, and it's a really, really important relationship for um, for a commander. I think to have a really good relationship with their chaplain. Something for me as a, as a previous RSM, I always asked who cares for the carers. Now, when it comes to the CEO, have you found many times you've needed to provide pastoral, spiritual care to to a commander? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I the same question that you asked about who cares for the carers. People ask that about chaplains, but you know we have we have ways that we care for ourselves. I would agree with you that. You know, with the commander, there are times it, command can be a lonely place. Absolutely. It can be a place where, yeah, where who do I talk to? Who do I bounce things off? And because the chaplain's conversation is a confidential conversation, we, I, I mean, I look at whoever it is that I am with. I am, you know, using my faith background to answer this question. I'm their pastor. 
I am I am the person who walks alongside whoever, and that includes the commander. Because life happens, doesn't matter what rank you're wearing, Absolutely. doesn't matter what role you have, life happens. And that, that, I think, is a really key part. If we can, as chaplains, support commanders in that pastoral role, they'll be better commanders. And the unit, the formation, the brigade, whoever it is, you know, they will be better. They will be better off for having a better commander, a better person in charge. Great, fantastic. Uh, what about character development? How, how do chaplains support character development in army? So character development in it, that differs from unit to unit, formation to formation. I know that at Kapuka, for example, chaplains are involved a lot in the character development training with soldiers um, here at Duntroon. There is less involvement in that, but there's still an involvement where we're part of that training. And then when it comes to various units around the country, it depends, I have found, it depends on the intended command and how much time is in the timetable to do character training. I have found, my own personal experience, in a unit environment, it has been more uh, niche so there might be a particular squadron or company that needs a certain flavour because of something that's occurring in that squadron or company and they call on the chaplain to do a session with the members, um, whether that be in, speci- you know, it, it's, yeah, it's more niche. It can be very, very specific, cultural awareness, char- yeah, and a lot of that character piece. So it depends. That's a very much a depend answer depending on where you happen to be working at the time. Yeah, see, I, I, I know from my time as RSM at SME that for the IETs that was in their program, for their 12th week program, they had a few days with the Padre where they did that. But you're right, getting into that yes. in units is a bit different. What does a normal day look like for a chaplain in the barracks environment? There's no such thing as a normal day, I don't think, for a chaplain in the barracks environment. It's which is actually what I love about the job. I never know when I wake up what my day is going to entail. Absolutely, I have meetings. I go to command briefs. I have appointments with people that I've set up. Uh, but anything can happen because we're dealing with people and anything can happen at any time. A casual wander around an office or in the, the company lines here at Duntroon or go to a queue store, wherever I happen to go to can open up a conversation or you can find something that's going on that suddenly changes the trajectory of your day. The other thing here at Duntroon that is a little nuanced um, thing that changes stuff for us is we have the Duntroon Chapel and there are many funerals, baptisms, weddings, etc. But funerals particularly can change your day. You get a phone call one minute and next thing you're meeting with a family who have lost a family member and that takes up the rest of, you know, a week supporting them, caring for them, organising the, everything that's involved with the funeral. But normal day, there is no normal day. It's, uh, and I think, like I said at the beginning of that, it's mainly to do the fact that we're dealing with people and stuff happens with people. So you never know what that looks like from day to day, which is also fun in a weird way for me. <laughs> How does that role differ in the field and when on operations? So in the field and operations, when you're out field, there uh, can be more focus on the pastoral care element because different people face challenges while they're away 
from the normal barracks environment. Life goes on at home, things happen, they're worried about it. So we can be a conduit and assistance in that space. Field brings out things in people that you don't see in a barracks environment. So that's, I think, the key difference when it comes to outfield. And because sometimes you're out there for a long time. So there are, that's where that, the pastoral care is really, is huge for all there. On operations, chaplaincy has the potential, depending on the operation, to move into a bit of a tactical role, I see. Key religious engagement is particularly important in various locations across the planet due to the religious nature of various cultures. I know Australia um, is becoming a more secularised society, but other nations and cultures on our planet remain very tied to their faiths and rituals and the way they respond in crises and negotiate with other people. So a chaplain can provide SME advice to assist in the operational environment when it comes to those pieces in particular. Fantastic. And uh, what difference does chaplaincy make to an individual and their members and family? It's, this is an interesting question. The difference that it makes for someone to know that someone cares beyond the capability that a person can bring, uh, if that makes sense. So command, you know, troop commanders, whoever, they, they, they care about the individual, but they also care about the capability that person brings. But as far as a chaplain goes, we know they bring a capability. That's not in our wheelhouse. Our wheelhouse is them as human beings. And so the difference that we bring is they just, they know that they're valued as a person, not just for what they bring. Um, and I'm not saying that's not, that is not the case for commanders either. They absolutely value people. But there's that nuanced thing that we bring that I've, I've had it said to me many times, look, Padre, I don't know what it is that you do, but whenever I send someone to talk to you, it sort of seems to be okay after that. So it's it's hard to articulate the difference, but it's um if it was if it wasn't there, you'd know it. I think is Absolutely. almost the way to answer the question. Yes. Yeah. Mm. All right. So we've probably answered this next question already, but we'll just sort of wrap up. How does chaplaincy yep. contribute to army capability? Army has great people, and those people face different situations constantly. When a chaplain is doing their job well, and as we've said, most chaplains do their job well, in fact, all chaplains do their job well, it helps with morale, um, it helps people be better humans. I see chaplaincy as a capability multiplier. Uh, Well-supported people give more of themselves when they find meaning and purpose in their role, and I just think if we weren't doing that, Army would know about it. Absolutely. And and my last question is, uh, if someone was considering becoming a chaplain, what advice would you give to them? Best job on the planet. <laughs> so go for it. That's, <laughs> I, I love it. I absolutely love what we bring to Army, how the satisfaction at the end of the day of lying your head on the pillow and going, that was a good day. I helped people. Um, I helped the commander make a wise decision, yeah, investigate it. Ask, ask your chaplain about it and go on a journey to discover if this is for you because it's the best job going. And correct me if I'm wrong, you're looking at about four years of study, a couple of years placement before you actually get into the job. Is that right? That's Yeah, that's right. So there's a, there is obviously, like anything, there's a process. There's hoops to jump through. 
So you have to get at least uh, your bachelor in ministry or theology. You need to be, this is for uh, Christian faiths, of course. That's from my wheelhouse speaking. You have to be ordained in that particular faith expression and be okayed by the religious advisory committee member over that particular denomination. So there are some hoops to jump through. First port of call, go and see your chaplain and talk to them about, I think I'm interested in this, what does this mean? And uh, have, have you got anything you'd lo- else you'd like to add, ma'am, for, for our listeners in particular, probably for this one, our, our commanders? For me, I think for commanders is just I know your life is busy. I know your life is full of decisions and full of personnel issues and full of a whole lot of things. Just don't forget about the chaplain helping you in that space because you can get overwhelmed and your chaplain is there to support you in that. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, chaplain Brooks, sir, do you have any questions? Thanks, Kerry. I think really uh, insightful answers. I do have a couple of questions. When I started in um, Army Chaplaincy uh, back in, I think it was about 94, I often thought uh, it was very, very much this understanding, do together what we can and separately what we must. In other words, understanding what we can collectively do as chaplains that uh, respects the the traditions and um, obviously the different uh, theologies and practices. And um, obviously, and the other thing was do separately what we must, particularly again, um, perhaps Catholic, Anglican, uh, Protestant. There were there were differences. Over time, I've I've seen that to do separately what we must has probably become smaller, and to do together what we can um, has increased. Could you just uh, perhaps elaborate on that in your experience in regards to? the team ministry of chaplaincy, the fact that we're not individuals that just come in to uh, live out our own particular denominational mm. faith. We are actually called to something even far more um, inclusive. I'd just be interested in your, uh, your thoughts. I could speak to the different experience I've had with that in a different location. So when I was in Darwin, uh, there was a t- team, a large team there on Robertson Barracks, and to be able to utilize each person's strength in that when it comes to supporting each other and also people in our unit. Sure, we were each assigned to a unit, but there were times when we definitely needed somebody else's insight and input into that. Mm. I can then speak to another, the next location I was at was at Toowoomba and we were, there wasn't a team. Uh, was, and that was actually challenging because it was harder to find someone to assist with certain situations. And now I'm at Duntroon and we have here a Catholic and an Anglican and myself, Protestant, and then a couple of reserves. And the in a way that I approach the team here is definitely working with each person's strengths and each person brings something incredibly valuable to the table. And although we are assigned a different class that we look after, it's not siloed. I think that's what we're saying here, Brooksy, isn't it? It's not siloed. We each have our strengths, and if we can see that we aren't the right person for it, we can reach someone else to assist with that, regard, whatever that happens to be. It may be a, really, a specific religious thing, but some, some of the people on my team actually have a lot of knowledge, even in the Indigenous space, and so it's reach out to that. 
and we have we have cadets here from various nations, and um, some people here have done ministry in those nations. So their insight in that is incredibly powerful, and it does go across denominations and across beliefs. It's it again. I think you're right. It goes to that higher level of this is this is about. Yeah, it's something, it's something higher and I can't quite articulate it properly. Mm. But I like what you've said, definitely. Thanks, Kerry. The the other thing, just my final question, if someone is outside looking in and uh, sees the role of chaplains and the game is very diverse, as you quite rightly pointed out, one day isn't the same as the next. You just don't know what is coming over the horizon and I think... That's, that makes the job very exciting, but it also um, requires us to be very attentive to uh, who mm. we are and who we re- what we represent and who we represent. So what is it then that gives you the ability to persevere through some pretty, at times, challenging and confronting situations? I mean, only yesterday... Uh, I received a phone call regarding a, uh, a tragedy in one of our, um, our units and chaplains were called upon and then uh, to attend to that and then chaplains were called upon at a moment's notice to do a notification. And that's quite traumatic and, as I said, very confronting. So what is it that gives you the strength to continue on? And so at the end of the day, you can say, despite those difficult moments and challenging moments, that was a good day. And um, this is something that I, I know I'm meant to, to do and to be. I think the very last part there is this is, I know this is what I'm meant to do and who I'm meant to be. And that's, that's what I ground myself in. It's, it's the God call for me. Uh, this is very much a calling. It's not a career for me. This was, there was, such clarity in my own personal world before I joined that this was the next step for me, that that's what I go back to. It, I know I am divinely placed to be where I'm supposed to be and it's a privilege to be there with people in those moments. Sure, it's challenging, it's emotional, all of those things, but I go into those knowing, first of all, God's gone before me, um, giving me the strength to continue to do what I'm doing, and then that's what I rest in afterwards and um, sense the smile of God over what I do. That's what keeps me going. Great. Thanks very much. Really appreciate that and, and really appreciate you taking the time to uh, share with us your experiences of uh, chaplaincy. Thank you. You're welcome. Padre, uh, thanks very much for those further on questions. Chaplain Ma'am, thank you for your time today. We at the Cove are grateful for the very valuable information you've provided and I'm sure uh, this will definitely assist our listeners. We also thank our listeners for tuning in. That concludes the Body, Mind and Soul series. If you have any questions, please feel free in contacting us at soldiercove at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you. Don't forget to download the Cove app. It's PME in your pocket anywhere, anytime.